Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science and spirituality are both telling us that we're all connected, that we're all one. What you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. So when mankind awakens to the truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is the gentle art of blessing, what Pierre Pardavon, um, he Pierre is an author of an award-winning book. The title of the book is The Gentle Art of Blessing. I am so honored to have Pierre with us today. He is actually connecting to the show from Switzerland, and so that's why we are pre-recording the show today. Um, welcome, Pierre, to Hello, Awake. Caroline. Hi. Thank Hello you so there. much. Thank you so much for being with us today, Pierre. I am so honored. Uh, I just love, love, love the work that you're doing. It is so amazing. Now, I I have um, studied your work a little bit, and uh, I'm a little bit familiar with your story. But um, can you share with our listeners your journey and how you discovered the gentle art of blessing? Well, I was working... It was in the 80s, in the mid-80s in Switzerland. I was working for a group of Swiss NGOs, non-governmental organizations, which themselves were working in the field of development. In other words, helping poor communities in the third world to get along. And Mm -hmm. I I started a program for schools on north-south issues because there was almost nothing in schools at the time on this theme, and uh, I had, I wanted to do a roving exhibit on hunger, on the theme of hunger, which is one of the great uh, problems of the world today, mm-hmm. and there was, there was no money, money in the budget, so I invested at, in, in terms of buying power of today, at least $25,000 of my own economies organized this roving exhibit, which worked very, very well. Mm-hmm. And at the, same, at the same time, I became member of an American, vast American campaign called the Hunger Project, which has as its aim, had as its aim, the end of hunger by the year 2000. Now, my mm-hmm. roving exhibit was called Ending Hunger Today, and it was applauded by my employers. Never in their life had a, an employee ever invested his own money to do his work. Right. And there was one gentleman in these organizations that just wanted to get rid of me. He just couldn't bear me. And he decided that uh, I was working for this as a volunteer for this hunger project and speaking about this campaign in the schools. And first they forbid me 
to mm-hmm. speak about it in the schools. And these are, these are organizations fighting hunger, for, forbidding me. And mm-hmm. uh, this gentleman managed to uh, connived with his colleagues in the other organizations and managed to convince them that they should get rid of me. And they, convin- they, they uh, organized a meeting. No minutes were taken. It was totally legal. And I was told, either you stop saying we can end hunger by the year 2000, which was a slogan of the Hunger Project, or you quit your work. Now, these are organizations fighting hunger, telling me to stop using a slogan, encouraging people to press for the end of hunger. It was just insane. But uh, they said, so either you quit using this, this expression, this slogan, or you quit your work. Mm-hmm. And uh, evidently, I'd never been put in a situation in my life where I had to choose between my, my deepest conviction and, right. uh, and my purse and keeping my job. So evidently, I, I quit. And I learned later on that they'd, they'd discussed between themselves and they had decided that if they put me in this situation, I would quit my job uh, because it, uh, it went against my conviction. So that was a way of put, putting me, giving me the sack without having to pay me any compensation. And in the following weeks, I developed the most incredible resentment. It was just eating me up. I was thinking about it day and night. I would wake up in the morning. I'd start thinking about that. Under the shower, I would think about this. It became what psychologists called an obsession. In other words, mm-hmm. a thought that you just cannot get rid of. And I was praying and meditating and do all sorts of right and good things that I knew. And yet, this hang on, I just couldn't get rid of it. And I knew I was harming myself. But... It just continued and just dragged on for months. And one day, excuse me, <coughs> one day, reading a sermon on the mount, Jesus' statement, bless those who curse you. Well, of course, it was so simple, so clear. All I had to do was bless them. And mm-hmm. on the spot, I started blessing them in their health, in their finances, in their family life, in their joy, in their work, in every imaginable way. And yes. first it came from the heart, from the head, but it right. moved rapidly, rapidly down to the heart because blessing, as I say again and again, is 100% heart energy. Yes. And suddenly, a few months later, I started blessing people in the street at the post office, in the train, in the supermarket, everywhere I was, I started blessing people and it became so joyous. I used to do all the length of the trains I took from one end of the train to the other, both ways, to be sure not to miss a single person and bless every single person on that train. And uh, I was, I'd been asked to give a, a conference at an international youth meeting in Zurich on the theme healing the world. And while I was writing out my 
my talk, suddenly mm-hmm. I received this gust of inspiration as I've never received before in my life or since. And I started writing. My heart, hand could hardly move fast enough to transcribe the ideas that were pouring into my heart and mind. Mm-hmm. And in a few moments, the whole text, The Gentle Art of Blessing, had come to me. And I can really say I was like a scribe under orders. And I feel this text was dictated from above. And the, the proof is that it has helped hundreds of thousands of people all around the, all around the world since then. It has. It has. It's, it's, and it's so true. It's so true what you're saying. It's so true about um, coming from a heart level because we can sometimes say, okay, all right, I'll think that, and I'll think it, but if, if, we, if it comes from our, I call our ego mind, and, and a selfish motive, say, okay, I'll think, I'll, I'll say I bless this person from a head level because if I say that, maybe something good will happen to me. If it comes from that um, mindset that you're trying to get something from the blessing, that's not, it, it doesn't work that way. The universe knows, spirit knows what's true in your heart because that's what spirit looks, like, looks at is what's in your heart. So, um what you're saying is so true. It can't be from a head level, from a ego mind level. It has to be from a heartfelt level. So, so true what you said. Um, it's so wonderful. So can you share more of um, your experience since you, you wrote the book? Um, and I, I, I believe it did come from above. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just came straight from your heart, from your soul, and and it was amazing. Can you share some of the experience you've had um, since you've written the book? Oh, and also, <laughs> when, when when did the book come out? What year? Well, it came out in, first it came out in French in 1998. Mm-hmm. Then it was, was published in England, and the American edition by... Simon and Schuster came mm-hmm. out in 2009. Okay. Mm-hmm. And by okay. the way, I've just just finished yesterday uh, a second book on 365 blessings to heal the world and myself. So okay. I hope this book. So it's a there's a blessing for every day of the year on mm-hmm. all sorts of imaginable themes be it social themes, international themes, the environment, personal things, absolutely in every walk of life. So I'm hoping that will help many people. Yes, I, I know it will. And it's so, it's so true that um, what you were saying when you were experiencing that difficulty with your employment and with your, you had a passion and so you invested your own time and money because of your passion you were following your heart and yes. they knew how they knew the best way to get rid of you <laughs> and so they did it you know underhandedly um but i do believe all things happen in perfect timing because from that experience you um wrote the book, you, you were able to, you were inspired to write the book, The Gentle Art of Blessing. So, those, so everything, I, at, my, at this point in my life, I look at everything that's ever happened in my life as a blessing. Even, you know, now, at I, first it, it seems negative. Go ahead. Absolutely. 
Now I'd like there's a sequel to this story. I haven't finished it. Oh, ten years. Do. Ten, ten years after writing the gentle art of blessing, I met the man who'd uh, schemed my ejection from my work at a meeting in Lausanne, uh, that's near where I lived. Uh-huh. And Caroline, I felt one of the greatest explosions of joy in my whole life. This man whom I'd considered as a, as a my, my, my torturer, my, my uh, you know, who, somebody who's really fouled up my life, suddenly right. I felt like taking him in my arms and kissing him. And we had dinner together, and for days and days, my heart was just singing. And it took me 10 more years, because I'm what the English call a slow learner, to understand what had happened. In my text on blessing, it says, when something goes completely skew in your day, some unexpected event knocks down your plans, and you too also, burst into blessing, for life is teaching you a lesson. And the very event you believe to be unwanted, you yourself called for. So as to learn the lesson you might balk against, were you not to bless it? Trials are blessings in disguise, and hosts of angels follow in their path. And I really feel, I really feel that uh, I have the belief that I met this gentleman, before coming on earth, mm-hmm. what, and that we established what is called a soul contract, yes. that we gave, we gave each other roles to perform so that I could have the opportunity, if so guided, to reveal this form of blessing, which is helping literally thousands of people all around the world. If you go on the website, gentleartofblessing.org all in one word gentleartofblessing.org you will find a whole section on healings through the practice of blessing now you ask me to give you a few examples concrete yeah. examples of this, uh, of this healing well I have some in my own life for instance shortly after discovering this wonderful practice I was organizing with an African friend uh, mm-hmm. a charity concert for African peasant groups in Senegal. And uh, we, we'd been lent the, the large hall of a major Geneva college. Uh, and the, the concert had been announced in the press, on the radio, and it was a public concert. And uh, the, the technician and technician of the school of the college wanted nothing to do without with our concert and uh, I went to see the director and he said look he's a civil servant I can't force him to work after 5 p.m. you'll have to find another technician in another school so that's what we did and two hours before the concert my African friend and myself we came along and there were only two mics left on the scene and my friend said look Pierre I can't have an uh, an orchestra with 12 musicians and singers and only two mics. So we went right. to see the, tech, the technician of the, of the college 
who was so hostile. And um, we were both uh, uh, at a little counter opposite him. And he was speaking to my friend. And I felt anger, you know, brewing inside me. And my little voice, my little voice said, Pierre, you're not going to solve this problem by getting angry. Bless him. And I started silently blessing him as he was speaking to my friend. And suddenly, I mean, in a matter of seconds, a huge smile appeared on his face. He went to his laboratory, came back with a whole series of mics, recommended us the best ones, and that was the end of the problem. Wow. <laughs> that is and so amazing. I've yeah. had so many such experiences. Another one, lovely one. I sh- shared this text when I discovered it with many friends, and I have one very devout Muslim friend in the Sahel in Mali, an absolutely wonderful man, a devout Muslim, but a very broad-minded one, and uh, who, uh, who just lapped up the practice of blessing. He started sharing it everywhere in villages and creating blessing groups everywhere. I mean, it was amazing. And uh, one day, he, he was quite well known, in the street of the small town where he lives, he met a woman who was absolute desperate. She was from a, a polygamous marriage, in other words, she was already in her early 50s when her husband took a much younger and sexier wife, which is often the case in, mm-hmm. uh, in Africa. Men in polygamous regions often take uh, much later a much younger wife. And he was beating his first wife and insulting her, and her life was just hell. And the second wife started doing the same thing. And she poured out her woes to my friend Mamadou, who just mm-hmm. told her, look, you just bless him. Bless him in all the ways you can imagine and bless her too. And in Africa, people who haven't had a westernized uh, education are very open to new ideas. Mm-hmm. And this woman just went home and practiced this with absolute sincerity that it was the key and the next the the same evening she practiced this the next Mm -hmm. morning her her husband came to her begged her forgiveness for the way he had treated her and completely changed his behavior the young wife followed suit and completely changed her behavior and now the two women are given as models of harmony in a polygamous household in the whole section of the city. Mm. So that was just... Well, that you actually touched upon one question that I did have for you, and I guess because I know people are listening to this show and saying, how can you bless someone um, that is abusing you, either physically um, emotionally abuse, um, and I hear it. I, I I understand so much what you're saying because I understand everything is vibration, but not everybody understands. Of that. course not. Yeah. Well, I say that uh, when you understand that everyone is at their highest level of consciousness, yeah. you can forgive. You can forgive anything instantaneously 
Joe, Joel Goldsmith, who is mm-hmm. a great American mystic of the last century. He was the founder of something called the Infinite Way. Mm-hmm. And he, this man had reached, of course, total uh, prospective forgiveness. And mm-hmm. he once said that no one can enter my life who needs to be forgiven because I have already forgiven him 70 times seven. Mm-hmm. And I can really say, I, I can really, really say the same thing as Joel. Uh, the other, a few weeks ago, I had a very unpleasant experience. I was contacted by some, by phone, by some pretended Apple Windows organization in London. Of course, it was a whole, uh, it was a whole gimmick. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, started telling me uh, that my computer wasn't working correctly and that I needed to do this or that. And uh, I don't know how it happened. It happened all so quickly. And before I could uh, uh, realize it was happening, they were on my screen. And my webmaster says I must have given them access to my screen. I don't remember doing so. But the fact is that they were on the screen. And they started moving things around in my computer changing things, eliminating things, and uh, all the time giving me all this uh, lovely technical talk that I didn't understand. I'm a paleolithic man in terms of internet and computers, really paleolithic. And, uh, uh, but after 30 minutes, I started becoming very suspicious. And after 40 minutes, they asked me for uh, something like uh, 170 bucks. And I said, but you never told me this was paying. And they said, oh, but of course, you know that every, today everything is paying. And as they had access to my, and they asked me for this money. So as they had access to my computer, I was afraid that if I didn't pay, they would foul up my whole computer, all the system. Mm-hmm. Right. So I paid, and uh, then the, the conversation was ended. I immediately phoned my webmaster who said, Pierre, you've been just, you know, the victim of a, uh, of, I don't know what you call that, a con game or something like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, all in all, because I had to change my whole, whole system, it cost me about $500. Wow. The, yeah. the minute, the minute I understood I'd been tricked, I started blessing the guy in question. Mm. The very minute. Because I thought, I felt the deepest compassion for this man who'd swindled me out of uh, ultimately $500 because I thought how sad to spend your whole life your whole life just tricking people I felt such authentic compassion for him and I, I can feel the deepest compassion for President Sadat uh, for President Assad of Syria, mm-hmm. who's right. caused the deaths of millions of people in his country, because you know there's a law of karma or mm-hmm. of, uh, of right action which says that we reap what we sow, and one day he will have to reap what he's sown. I don't mm-hmm. know for which reason he took on this role, but that's right. his his situation. So. Right. 
to come back to the question of you asking me, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I have all, I have these people constant in my workshops because I'm a I'm a trainer and I work in the field of personal and spiritual development. Have been been having workshops for almost 25 years in this field now, and I have such cases, and I just share this insight with them. But it may take, and probably will take people years get there although I do I do notice an acceleration Mm -hmm. of the raising of consciousness on the planet today that is amazing that is so true that is so true Um, like you had mentioned and I think you know what uh, for me I think a lot of it does come from your true understanding of who you are like you had mentioned earlier when you had the uh, meeting with the gentleman 10 years later, the gentleman that caused all this this pain and heartache um, and how you felt that you guys had pretty much, uh, these weren't your words, but pretty much a soul connection before birth that you had arranged um, this challenge. And actually, I I don't know if you've ever heard of this book, but you might, it's a children's book. It's um, entitled The Little Soul and the Sun by Neil Donald Walsh. And it actually, it's a children's book, and it actually explains on a child's level how in spirit, before we come into this existence, we make these agreements with certain souls that, okay, I need you to be the bad guy. You know, I need you to to do this to help me remember who I am. Like you said, every challenge is a blessing in disguise. We look at it as a challenge, but we actually arranged that challenge before we came here. And so I know that takes, on a human conscious level, that's kind of hard for people to understand. But when they come to that understanding, you can forgive everything because you know I asked this person to do this to me. <laughs> you know, I actually, when I came to that understanding, I have a six-year-old grandson, and I bought him that book several years ago, The Little Soul in the Sun, and I, I read it to him. But when I, I came to that understanding that everything that someone has done to me that I think they wronged me, I realized I asked them to do that in spirit before we came into this incarnation. So I wrote a list of about maybe 10, 15 people that I, you know, I went back to my, my memory to say, I think this person, I thought this person had hurt me or done something wrong. I made a list, and some of them I actually physically sent thank you cards. And in the thank you card, it was just thank you for being you. You know, because I, I didn't want to get deep into, you know, sure. the, I, I, yeah, so I didn't want to scare them or anything. So I just said, thank you for being you. And I sent uh, several thank you cards to people that I thought had hurt me and, and just say thank you for being. And some of them that I couldn't physically send the card to, I just blessed them, you know, in my thoughts. You know, thank sure. you. Yeah, they did exactly what I asked them to do because that, that what they did helped me. To grow, to grow, yes. you know, you know, but to help my soul evolution. And it, you're right about um, these people that come and do horrible things like Hitler and all these things. 
I've heard, I don't know which one it is, but some people say that Hitler had to be a very evolved soul to take that on, to come down and, you know, because we're all light. We're all divine light. We're all, you know, we're all spots of God. And Absolutely. at our essence, we're all love. And when you understand that we're all love and that this here is a game that we're playing for a reason of our growth, are to elevate us. But we ask those people in spirit to do those horrible things to us. And for them to agree when they're in spirit and for them to agree to do those horrible things, they could be, of a, uh, you know, very enlightened, <laughs> you know. So it's a really interesting, I love the book, The, the uh, Little Soul and the, uh, the Sun, especially to introduce that concept to a child that, okay, yes. this person you can forgive and love them automatically, you know, automatically you can forgive and love them because you, you, when you know on a higher level, you ask them to do that. Yes. So you're, it's so amazing. I'd like to share, I'd like to share with you, I guess one of my most, um, um, trying, <laughs> trying things I, 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 I needed to forgive. And it took, I, I would say maybe, I can't. It's hard to say how long it took to me to forgive this person, but it, it it happened at a time in my life where um, it's just amazing. It's just that how could someone do this? <laughs> I um I I think you're aware. I I lost my son. Actually, it'll be two years ago. Um, tomorrow, mm-hmm. he passed on July first. Uh, 2014, he made his transition, and I do believe that was a soul agreement he and I had made, and I was at peace when he made his transition. But in 2011, when he was very ill, and doctors had told me um, that he wasn't going to make it, and so this is three years before, two and a half years before he actually did pass, Um, but when doctors told me that at that time, I... I couldn't, it was something I couldn't take. I couldn't, it's just like, I understand I'm spirit. I understood, you know, I, I had my spiritual awakening to oneness already. I understand that I'm a spirit. I understand that all these trials I have taken on and I'm creating. But when I was told December of 2011 my son wasn't going to make it, I'm like, I, okay. This one I can't deal with. I need to just leave this experience. That's just, I just said, okay, I'm going to leave this experience. I might have to redo this experience. But right now I can't deal with it. So I actually was leaving the hospital. The doctors had taken me into a, a private waiting room to tell me, give me this information because they won't do it in the room where the patient is because sure, they know that the patient can hear what's of going course. on. Yes. So they took me into a private room to give me this information. I was alone. I had no one there with me. It was just me. And so um, I had been living pretty much in his ICU room. He had been on life support, and I had been living in his room for, for five weeks. So they gave me this information, and I didn't say I was pretty calm. I didn't say anything. I, didn't, I don't think I even cried. I just knew in my mind, like, Okay, I can't deal with this. I'm leaving, meaning I'm leaving this existence. I'm leaving this experience. So I said, I, well, let me go across the street to a drugstore. There was a drugstore to get something I could take to help me leave this existence. Now, as I'm walking out of the hospital, 
there was a gentleman that came out behind me. Um, a little disheveled. I mean, he, you know, he he wasn't dressed nice. You know, he was just a little disheveled. But he came out behind me. He said something to me, and somehow we started talking. He had said that he was just in the chapel. I, he said he was in the chapel, and he spoke to a, a priest or a minister there because he was considering committing suicide. Now, this he he's saying this to me, and that's what's in my mind. I didn't say anything to him about taking my own life. He's saying to me he's thinking about taking his own life, and the reason he was thinking about taking his life is because he can't stop stealing, and he feels bad about it. He keeps, you know, and he, he just got out of jail, um, and he, he has this compulsion to steal, and he can't stop. And, he's, you know, so he, he's thinking about taking his life because he wants to stop stealing. So I'm, like, I'm just, I'm like, wow, this must be a, a divine intervention or, here, or a divine connection here because I'm thinking about committing suicide without saying a word to anybody. And then the first thing he says to me, a perfect stranger, is I'm thinking about committing suicide. So we talked, and we, we talked, we sat down and, and talked um, for a good half an hour to an hour. He said he had a job interview that he wanted to go to, but he didn't have shoes. So I took $25 out of my wallet. I said, well, would this help you get some shoes? And just get. And he's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's like, okay, I'm gonna get the shoes. I'm gonna go to this job interview, but I'm gonna come back and find you. And I said, okay, sure. I I wish you luck. He, uh, you know, I'm hoping this helps. I wish you luck with your job interview. And you know, I just wish you all the best. And and so he, I, the only thing I shared with him is that my son was in the um on on in ICU on life support. And they said it doesn't look good. That was about the only personal information I shared with him about myself. I mainly listened to him. And so after about an hour of us talking, I gave him the money, and he left, and he said he'd be back. Okay, but my plans had not changed. (laughs) I still intended to take my life. (laughs) I went into the, um, the pharmacy. I bought a bottle of over-the-counter sleeping pills and a bottle of Tylenol. I had no prescription, so I couldn't get any prescription medication. But I took um, those those um, pills. I went to a waiting room towards the top of the – it was a quiet, private waiting room, not on the same floor where my son was, but higher up. And I I took those pills with a bottle of water, wrote a note. Pretty much the note just said, you know, I'm not going to bury my son. My son is going to bury me. So I was out literally for two days. But <laughs> the time I was unconscious, this man, he came back to the hospital, like he said. He, when he came back to the hospital, I was in the ER. He told the um, employees in the ER he was my fiancé. They gave him my purse. <laughs> he stole, He took my wallet and my purse, and the only thing he left was my social security number. So that this is someone I had given money to. He comes back to the hospital. 
he he calms the uh, ER workers and says, "Oh, that's my fiance." And he, so they give him my purse. <laughs> and he, I had like a hundred dollars in cash. I had my my debit card, and I, you know, all this. so you know that was like okay. I I got to the point where I had to forgive this man because I just what really hit me is. How could you steal from someone? But he did tell me he had a compulsion. He couldn't help himself. He had to steal. And I'm like, so now I can laugh about it. But when I, um, two days after when I woke up and realized that my purse was gone, and they said, well, your fiancé was here. Fiancé? I don't have a fiancé. So... But uh, now I can laugh about it, and yes, I have forgiven him, of course. But uh, uh, to me, that is just like I'm like, okay, this is someone who helped you, and you stole from them after they helped you. <laughs> but uh, it is, yeah, I I believe that was all arranged. We arranged that in spirit, you know. And now today we can laugh about it and forgive him, you know. I have nothing but bless him. Of course, I've never run into him again or anything of that nature, but I have nothing but love, forgiveness, and blessing for him. That's lovely. That's wonderful. Yes. 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 But uh, you have, um, tell us some um, stories, because you have some stories similar like that to share. I know there's a gentleman you have communicated with who's in prison, um, who's, False, yes, was yes. falsely accused. Please share yes, that. Yes, I've, I've been corresponding for 19 years <clears throat> with a former death row inmate from Texas, from death row, Texas, who was, he's been now 30 years in jail for a crime we know absolutely, without doubt, that he did not commit. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, he was, of course, as he was a poor black in Texas, poor blacks don't have a uh, many chances of fair justice. So mm-hmm. he had a, uh, an alcoholic lawyer who fell asleep during his trial. Uh, the police withheld evidence that could have uh, innocented him. I mean, the whole thing was a, a, a monstrous farce. And um, mm-hmm. finally, he was condemned to death. And mm-hmm. so he was. we started corresponding when he was on death row. And he'd already done amazing uh, path by himself. He became a self-taught spiritual teacher. I'd say mm-hmm. he, uh, he started studying and meditating and praying in, in prison without anybody coaching him because uh, they're in total isolation. And uh, he became a real spiritual master. And he is now a, really has become, I've written three books on him, and he's mm-hmm. become a, a spiritual guide hundreds of people around the planet and he I sent him uh, this text on blessing just after I composed it and it had a huge impact a huge impact on his life he started practicing it at a moment when he was in a particularly difficult situation in the prison and started it sharing with other other inmates and even wardens and uh, so he's Proved in death row, on death row, that this right. practice works, and that is certainly one of the toughest testing grounds for blessing on the planet. So Roger yes. McGowan is his name. I've written a book 
that's been translated in English that you can find on on Amazon called Messages of Life from Death Row. Messages mm. of Life from Death Row, which is essentially uh, my correspondence with this man. Right. Mm. Now, where where does that stand now? Is he still sentenced well, on death row? No. He, we, we, in 2003, uh, I created an international committee to support me for the defense. <coughs> and in 2012, we got a, a ruling of the Supreme Court in Washington granting him the right to have a new trial. But mm-hmm. in Harris County, where he would be judged, Harris County is the county in the states that has sent more people to death than any other, not only county, but state in the mm-hmm. Union, apart from mm-hmm. Texas. And okay. so in recent years, all those who had the right to a new trial from Harris County were recondemned to death, except one. So finally, mm-hmm. we went for for a plea bargain. He decided to have a plea bargain, and he's just received 20 more years in jail. Oh, so he's okay. 52, and he'll, mm-hmm. he would come out at 72, unless mm-hmm. we can find a proof of his innocence, in which came, case he could come out immediately. But this mm-hmm. man spoke, wrote one of the most amazing letters I've ever read when he mm-hmm. got this, uh, this plea bargain, Speaking mm-hmm. of a major, major victory, and he's been, he's been one of the great uh, spiritual teachers of my life, and he wow. is for many, many, many people around the planet. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true that when we talk about finding peace and blessing, and if you're in jail, someplace of that nature, um, if you can find peace and you can bless others while you're sitting on death row, that is the, you know, ultimate test of true peace and blessing from the heart. (coughs) Sorry. That's okay, no problem. Yes. Do you have other questions? Um, well, I, also, I know that there's another story that I, I read and that you shared with me about a, a young lady who um, lost her family. Um, maybe if you could share that story with the with the listeners. Which um, I'm. Um, the, la- the lady that precise? lost her, the lady that lost her family through a fire. She lost the her husband. I think he was trying to commit suicide. And, oh, yes, yes, um, yes. I, I, I yes. see what you mean. Yes, yes. Yes. This is yes, a, yes. a beautiful story. Yes. Of one of my, a member of, a, of our international committee uh, for this uh, death row inmate. Mm-hmm. And when she was young, she, she was married when she was 17, a, a guy she was crazy about, and he was crazy mm-hmm. about her. You know how you're, when you're very young, you have these very passionate relationships. Yes, I got and married at 17, so... Yeah. After, after a few years, the marriage really soured. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, they had, had two beautiful, lively, intelligent children who at the time were three and six years old. And she decided to get a divorce, and her husband was absolutely opposed to the divorce. But mm-hmm. uh, she, went, she went ahead, 
and uh, contacted a, a lawyer and she at one moment she had to enter a clinic and she uh, said to the her lawyer look please be certain that the papers the divorce papers are not served on my husband while I'm in the clinics I don't know what he could do and the, the lawyer said we'll be certain that that is not the case we'll wait till you come home and the very day she entered the clinic, the papers arrived home. And the, the, the husband was just totally uh, dismayed, upset. Uh, and he tried to reach his wife over the phone. The clinic wouldn't give him his own wife. Mm. And that night, he opened the gas and committed suicide with the two children. But in that region... Uh, for a few days, they'd cut the electricity because they had to repair some high-tension wires. And during the night, they re-installed uh, the electricity in the whole area. And there was a there was a there was a spark mm-hmm. when they re-established the electricity. And as the house was full of gas, the spark ignited ignited an explosion, and the whole house burned down. And in the morning, there was nothing left but a pile of ashes. She lost her two adored children, her husband, Mm -hmm. her books, her dresses, her jewelry, her papers, her private papers. Everything she had in life Mm -hmm. was reduced to a pile of ashes. And she embarked on a seven-year quest for forgiveness. Mm Mm-hmm. And she went. She did all the trainings and experiences you can imagine in the world, including in the tomb of a pharaoh in Egypt. I mean, everything you can do. Right. And seven years later, in Benares, the, the holy city in India, where they burn people next to the Ganges River and then throw these cinders in the river, suddenly she realized the, the, the human material life was mm-hmm. nothing. The, the real life was spiritual. And yeah. she had, and she was instantaneously not only healed, but filled with the most immense gratitude. And 25 years after the suicide, she organized mm-hmm. a meeting. She organized a, su- a small celebra- a ceremony with a few of her friends to celebrate what had happened. And at one moment, one of the persons in the group, was a medium, said, uh, Mina, I have a message from Robert. Robert was her former husband. I have a message for you from Robert. And suddenly she saw, literally, the face of her former husband, who is so beautiful, so youthful, so at peace. And he said, you know, this is what we'd agreed upon. To fulfill, mm-hmm. our, to fulfill our contract. And suddenly she saw the faces of her children. And she s- heard them say to her, Mama, we did this to forward you on your spiritual path as planned. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the vision. Wow. That is so true. That's so beautiful because I, I kind of like what I was saying earlier about when we realize who we really are, and this 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 and, and science has even proven that this quote unquote reality is an illusion. It's not real. It's not solid. I remember 
in seventh grade, my science teacher, and it's, it just it stuck with me. In seventh grade, my science teacher, when we were studying molecules and atoms, atoms, he said, nothing is truly solid. Not the chair you're sitting on, not your desk, not the pencil you're holding. Nothing is truly solid. And science has proven that with the microscope, as you you look into a microscope, all you see is wavy molecules. It's not nothing solid. And and that those white wavy molecules actually can, through quantum physics, they can be here, there, everywhere at the same time. So it's it we it's this reality quote unquote reality is not the re- what's real what real what is real is spirit what is real is our our spiritual agreements with other souls at, before we come into this incarnation like the children said mama we we just we were just following our 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 soul agreement you know and i i do believe that my son and i we had a soul agreement I believe he told me what to name him before he was born because his name, Kyle, came to me in a dream. And for me, the name Kyle stands for keep your light expanding. So everything that happens is a soul agreement. And when you understand that truth, you can forgive everything. Exactly, exactly. Yes, you can forgive and you can bless and live your life from a place of love. Exactly. So, yes. Yes. So that is so true. That's such a beautiful story that you shared because um, even like I said, tomorrow is the anniversary of my son's transition. And since he, he passed on July 1st here in the States, we celebrate the 4th of July, Independence Day. So I always have a celebration um, that weekend for him, first for his life, and for um, the 4th of July combination of, of uh, celebrations. So this will be the second annual celebration of Kyle and 4th of July celebration this coming weekend. Yes. Wonderful. So it is it's so true, I believe. I, I know that a lot of people who haven't gotten there spiritually, um, me, for me, it was odd because my spiritual awakening came from a quantum physics film. <laughs> what the bleep um, Lynn McTaggart said, made the statement um, the biggest problem in the world today is the illusion of separateness and when she made that statement I understood on a heartfelt level that we're all one that we're yes. all connected and what, yes. what you do to another person you're literally doing to an aspect of yourself so when mankind awakens, I believe, like you said, the um, consciousness is, is rising. Um, every day more and more people are waking up to the truth of who they are, which is a divine spark of God, Can't inseparable spark of God. We can never be separated from God. We can never be separated from each other. We're all one. And um, more and more people are waking up to that truth. And when you wake up to that truth of who you really are, it's easy to love and forgive anything. You know, it becomes like, okay, yeah, I made that agreement with you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, we made that agreement for you to do that for me, to help me awaken to the truth of who I am and the truth of who you are. 
Yes, mm-hmm. so true, so true. As I, I, I was inspired about six months after my son's transition to um, start this show, and I had no idea of how to do an internet radio show. But we are living in a in a day and age where we can reach the world from our living room. So it, with that, and I actually <laughs> I want to share this with you too, Pierre. I heard about. Um, the call you got a few weeks ago um, from the, the Internet scam artist. Um, and just about a week ago, I got the same call. <laughs> but um, it was a gentleman, he says he was calling from Windows and he had an Indian accent. And I was like, okay, you're a scam artist. <laughs> but it, was, it made me think of you. It's like, okay, this is the call that Pierre got. Because I think a lot, I, I, I think they are really um, – Targeting everyone in every country because you're in Switzerland and I I got the same call here in in the states and for people who are not familiar with the computer because Windows and and Apple would not if you had a problem with your computer you have to call them they're not calling you but um, I think they they are getting people with and I after I all I said to him is. Okay, you're a scam artist. Goodbye. I hung up the phone, but I thought to myself, maybe I should have engaged in conversation with him a little more. I asked him, "Is this really your calling? Do you really are you is is this a soul felt calling to scam people all day long?" I mean, if it is, hey, no judgment because that's also a part of spiritual growth. I'm not going to judge you on what you're doing, but is this from your heart are you doing this from your heart i thought about that after i got off the call with him i was like maybe i should have inquired more maybe (laughs) you know but uh yeah i understand um exactly how you felt but i love the fact that immediately you forgave him you're like okay i have to and you know that comes up in a moment to moment it's like you and i both are aware of the power of blessing and we understand that that's what what we need to do from a heartfelt level, but it still things happen on a moment-to-moment basis. As you're going throughout your day, you have to remind yourself. Um, I know it happened for me just a week ago where I had to remind myself. You know, I felt like I was being disrespected, and I'm like, okay, I have to remember that this is something that was planned before birth, <laughs> this encounter I'm having right now, and how I respond to it is a test to my soul growth. If I respond, you know, negatively and just angrily and, you know, want to argue and fuss and fight, which never really gets us anywhere, um, then I, then that's telling me that I haven't really grown as much as I'm trying to grow. Does that make any sense? Pierre. Uh Uh-oh, did I lose you, Pierre? Are you still there? Yes, 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 I'm totally there. Oh, okay, okay. I just, I didn't hear you for a second. I was hoping, since I know that we're connecting via the Internet because of the international distance we have. Yes. Yes. No, I, I was just saying that I think that um, what we're talking about, 
the gentle art of blessing, I think what we're talking about is something that we have to remind ourselves from a moment to moment. Um, oh yeah. From, yeah. So that's. I do it I was, constantly. Uh, I, I, yes. I'm still reminding myself 25 years later. Yes. Yes. Yes, because I was just saying that about a week ago something happened to me that really upset me, but then I had to remind myself that um, whatever challenge I'm facing, I agreed to that challenge before we came here, and I have to remember that that person is not separate from me. So I have to remember to always forgive. Like you say, forgive instantly, you know, never... Without apology, no apologies are needed. You know, no. Just, uh, yep. <laughs> just forgiveness and love and blessing. Exactly. That is so 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 true, and I am so thankful, so thankful that you uh, took time out of your busy schedule, and it's much later there in the day to come on to to awake awake to oneness radio to share your story with us. And anyone that is interested in finding out more or interested in finding your book, I know that the best place to find out all your information is the gentleartofblessing.org, correct? Exactly. Absolutely. Now, Pierre, is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners as far as I know that you have a new book coming out? What was the title of that new book that you just finished? Well, the tentative title is okay. 300, 365 blessings to heal the world and myself. Mm. Something I would like to share with uh, participants is that blessing, if you do it really seriously and constantly, will totally eliminate judgment because it's mm. impossible and to, love, to judge and to bless at the same time. Mm. And also, constant blessing will develop a huge compassion in you. I don't have a car. I've been living for a car my whole life, mm-hmm. and except for except for one year. And uh, so I take public transport a lot. And it's a wonderful place to bless people. Mm. And after, you know, 25 years of doing it, well, hopefully I've progressed a little. And one area where I feel there has been some progress is developing a a deep sense of compassion for every single person. And especially, I cannot see any suffering anywhere without instantaneously and immediately blessing the person concerned. Yes. That's so true, yes. Um, For me, I, I uh, I love the word namaste, which means um, I bow or I honor the divine in you. And I I don't say it aloud, but as I pass people in the supermarket or wherever, I work from home, so I don't get out that often. (laughs) But whenever um, I I come encounter with other people, I just say to myself, you know, quietly, namaste. Namaste. I actually, one day, I started doing that while I was driving. So I do drive. I I don't take public transportation. I drive everywhere. But one day I was, uh, but I live in a a little um, country 
small-town community. It's not a big city. Um, but I was driving, and I was trying to say in my mind, namaste to every driver that I passed. And I was getting distracted. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm going to end up in a tree <laughs> in a minute. So I can't, you know, because it was just a little bit too distracting to try to, to get everyone that was passing in from one direction to the other direction at the corner. So I was like, wait a second. Maybe I, it's okay to do this in the grocery store, but not while I'm driving. <laughs> Unless I'm at stopped at a stoplight. <laughs> Then I can do it, but sure. I said no. Yes, <laughs> but if I'm supposed to be focusing on the road, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't be trying to to say namaste to everybody <laughs> while I'm driving. But other than that, um, yes, it's so true. And and the non-judgment, what you said, is so important. Um, and I think that truly does come with our spiritual growth of knowing who we are. When we know who we are, we know who they are. And when we know who they are, um, we can't judge because we're all aspects of God. And God cannot judge God. You know, we're all we're all one. So that's what this um, <clears throat> the show is all about, is to have conversations with people like yourself who understand the truth of oneness and share those conversations with the world so people and maybe can get inspired because I also believe all I can do is inspire someone to find that truth within because the truth lies within us. Thank you so much, Pierre. I am so, so thankful and so, so honored that we connected today. And I'd love, I'm not sure when you're going to be in the States, but I'd just love to meet you in person if we ever got the opportunity to meet. Well, the States is rather a large country, but depending yeah. on where you live, depending on where you live, I'm sure it would be possible. Right. Where, where do you live? I'm where in the I'm in the po- I live in the Poconos, which is northeast Pennsylvania, so I'm uh-huh. on the east coast. Okay, right. I'm not far from New York, um, Manhattan. I'm only an hour and a half drive from New mm-hmm. York and two hours from Philadelphia. Okay. Well, yeah. again, thank you, thank you for calling me, and thank it's always a, a joy for me to share this practice, which yes. I know helps so many people. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful week in the holiday. Well, I know you're in Switzerland. You guys don't celebrate Fourth of July, but uh, have a wonderful uh, weekend coming up and enjoy. Thank you so much. I'm going to stay in touch via email. I just love to stay Fine. in touch with my, my guests. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Bye-bye. Goodbye, Bye-bye. Caroline. Bye-bye. Have, have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.